Hello, hello, salam dua. Long time no chat, Jai lovers. As some of you probably already know from our Instagram stories, we needed to take a pause on our regularly scheduled programming because of so much going on in the world. Palestine, Afghanistan, Lebanon, Syria, Myanmar, the indigenous community, and more. With London attacks, more and more anti-Islamic hate crimes, it has been overwhelming, to say the least, for humanity in general, but maybe even more so specifically for Muslims. So I got together with a dear friend of mine, Shema Kraba. We spoke primarily about Palestine, the London attacks, and how to deal with advocacy from an Islamic perspective. While we spoke about Palestine specifically, a lot of these principles and ideas can apply to every area of the world that is hurting. We can use these techniques and ideas to continue to stay strong and advocate for what we believe is right. Shema is known for her unapologetic nature, which all of her friends and followers love and appreciate. She's a content creator, an authorpreneur. Please do check her out on Instagram and on YouTube. I will link her channel and Instagram link in the description. Also, please do check out the description of the episode where we share links on what you can do for the different parts of the world that are hurting right now. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shema. I really wish that we were meeting under different circumstances to talk about something happier, something less devastating and heartbreaking. But unfortunately, the state of the world is such, and here we are. I guess, firstly, with everything going on, how have you been mentally and emotionally? Honestly, it's been like a cycle. You know, I would say like kind of like a grief cycle, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much, I felt like I was mourning, right? Not just like my Muslim identity, you know, as Muslims, we believe at the end of the day, we're one body. And when one part hurts, all of it hurts, right? That's Hadith of the Prophet. And that's exactly, I would say, how it feels. And so I've honestly felt like it's just been like a bit of a roller coaster, an emotional roller coaster. It's been, it has its ups and it has its downs. I've some days quite spent emotionally or mentally. I just need to zone out for a little bit. I can completely relate to that. Mm-hmm. It's like you want to be hopeful and you want to think positive, but it's so hard to keep up that energy and just not feel defeated and hopeless, right? Yeah, it's just, it's so difficult. But I think what's different about this time around, I feel like there is a bit of a momentum. There's a bit of a like a shift when it comes to activism and advocacy and standing firm on what is true and having a voice. It takes quite a bit of courage. Absolutely. It really does. Um, I know personally I was and I kind of continue to be extremely impacted. I think when more and more news started to come out about the state of affairs in Palestine, you're like, okay, this is happening again. And then you really start to see the disturbing images. I just remember spending countless nights awake watching videos on YouTube, digging deeper and deeper into the history of the issue, trying to understand with an open mind. You know, Mm -hmm. and it was so much so that I feel like I was all consumed for a while. You think about that and you're like, okay, it's consuming for you as somebody who's kind of standing by and watching. And then Mm -hmm. you have that privilege to step back. But there's people that are living this, you know. Exactly. And they don't have the privilege to step away. And you almost feel guilty that, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. But, you know, we'll get to the guilt part of it later. But going back to what was happening in the last couple of weeks and the month or so, censorship, right? I think what got me even more riled up was not only that this is happening, but the Mm -hmm. deliberate silencing of voices before our very own eyes happening to me, to my friends and family, posts being deleted and nothing. I mean, nothing showing up in my explore page. I was that person who was only consuming this content. I was only Mm. sharing this content. And then to see my explore page with not a single 
post about this was just like, what is going on? Did you experience the same thing? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I don't know the last time I was looking up a makeup tutorial or I know this girl with her behind hanging out. So what the heck, you know? I'm mm. just like, I don't know anything that I follow that has that, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you for sure. And yeah, I echo back what you say about the whole censorship. Absolutely, 100%. This is going to sound counterintuitive, yeah. but I feel like the censorship, it actually validated our position. You know, yeah. it was an ocular, it was ocular proof of me. Why go out of your way to hide and, and silence this voice unless you were threatened by the truth? Right. Absolutely. You would only go this far if you were threatened by the truth, because if, if it we're in the world of social media, we're in the world of freedom of speech, right? And there's so many activists and things that happened in the past. Why not silence that? It's definitely frustrating because I think for me as a Muslim female born and raised in Canada, you know, your whole life is you're being told what you are, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's very different than who you are and what you represent. But their ideology of what Islam is, is somehow the rule of law. You're silenced constantly by the rhetoric and the criticism and what they believe and their idea of what Islam is and that gets projected on you. There's a silencing in that manner. And it's very frustrating because you try to circumnavigate those uncharted waters and try to find a sense of normalcy and a sense of just a belonging. sense of being able to belong. Yeah. It's frustrating growing up with that. And I think this situation just amplified it because it's like, it's literally physical. It's like you, you don't matter. But you really are censoring the voices of Muslims. You're not giving them a platform to be able to express themselves and actually advocate for themselves and what it is that they actually represent. We always have to be on the apologist uh, side. We always have to be apologizing for basically our identity and who we are. But in this situation, it was a physical manifestation of what we've always experienced. Right. And so now it's like, you know, hey, you just got called out, right? Like, you can't deny this. And the reality is some people still deny it, but now we know this and a lot of people are starting to wake up. And so I feel like that, if anything, it contributed to the shift and it allowed our voices to be even more amplified, you know? And, right. you know, actually going now actively looking for the people that constantly talk about this matter, a lot of the Palestinian activists and, you know, Muslim activists and amplify their voices and our allies who aren't Muslim, but are also advocating for us. And so it's like, well, thanks. Now I memorized all their, you know, user IDs or their names and I'm constantly looking them up and I'm constantly sharing their stuff. So yeah, it's a bit more work, but it's whatever, you know, it is what it is, is you know? So I yeah. think in retrospect, it actually, it, it was evidence. And it's crazy because what we're dealing with is what we literally studied in history. Right. right. Yeah. And we studied about apartheid. We studied about genocide. And so you see that reenacted of what's going on in Palestine and stuff. How does it not hit you? You see it happening to the indigenous community. How does this not hit you? You see it happening to your to the black community. How does that not hit you? You know, like how does that not like move you? You know, how does it not make you feel anything? It's awful, honestly. It's it's I know. it's just yeah. awful. I completely agree with kind of everything that you're saying. You're absolutely right about the censorship being kind of a it's almost like a you know, you have sword. no reason to censor unless you have something to hide, unless you're afraid of something. Somebody's voice is such a threat to you. The truth is a threat to you, ultimately. That's what it comes down to. As far as hurting the cause or helping it, to be honest, I feel like, yes, in some ways, I agree that, okay, you know, censorship and the fact that it needs to be done is proof in and of itself. But yeah. then I, I can't stop thinking about the reach that these posts and this information could have gotten, how it could have become a bigger movement than it already is if this wasn't 
happening. So I do and I don't agree with you. I do agree that, yes, there's something to hide there. That's why they're doing it. But we already know that. You know, how does this help the cause? That's where I'm kind of at a loss for words where you are fighting this uphill battle and, you know, the cards are not in your favor. Everything happening around you is not in your favor. And they're making it that much harder for you to get your voice out there. And we do our part. You know, sure, I post as much as I can. And I try very hard to get certain followers that maybe aren't already understanding what's going on to kind of open their eyes to the truth. But beyond that, if posts can't go viral, if public posts can't go viral, there's limited reach. And all we can do is just scream the loudest possible, right, at the end of the day. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from with that, right? Like it's a double-edged sword. There's pros and cons, but I think what really helped me ground myself. So me being the underdog is the story of my life. You know, right. uh, the stakes being up against me has always been the story of my life. And it's frustrating if I if I just stick in that perspective saying like, well, this is not really fair because basically I'm given challenges that are not in place to somebody else because either their privilege and their skin color mm-hmm. or they're, the fact that they're not a Muslim or basically things that are not really a choice that I have other than, of course, my religion, which is something that, you know, I have a choice in. But independent of all that. I've always had the stakes up against me. Now, right. if I if I just sat there and dug my feet in the ground, just being upset, I wouldn't be I wouldn't get anywhere in life. That's so a really good I would, point. Yeah. As Muslims, we believe at the end of the day, only Allah Taala can spread the message. Only mm-hmm. He can. This is bigger than us. It's frustrating, but how am I going to have tawakkul on a system that's already broken? You know what that's I mean? Crazy. It's just a tool. It's one of the tools that can spread a message, but it's not the only tool. What we have and what we believe as Muslims is that we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Advocacy work goes back to him. It's about us showing up to him. At the end of the day, this solution, we know what's going to happen to Pakistan. We know it's going to be free. Yeah. We just have to do our part. Allah doesn't need us. He doesn't need our advocacy. This is actually for us to show like we are in solidarity, right? And so we can sit here and be frustrated. Allah also knows that we have our limitations. And so sometimes when we are limited, limited in our voices, what it forces us to do is actually focus on our own circles. Sometimes the most impact you can do is actually in the limit that they're placing on you. Because then when you master the limit, that limit has another limit too that they can reach. And so it actually has a trajectory. So sometimes we think that it's a negative thing, but actually it's just a matter of optics and how we reframe the way we look at things. And so I can sit there and get mad at the social media thing that's, you know, at the end of the day, every giant had a fall, a massive downfall. You know, everything, we look back in history, any empire that caused any form of like oppression ends up having its greatest fall. And I think that's the biggest lesson here is it's frustrating. We know it, but it actually is ammo for us if we look at it you yeah, know, it's like not sustainable, I think, ultimately, on apartheid, the situation that's going on right now. I've watched videos of ex-Israeli soldiers saying that this is not sustainable. It will end at some point or the other. And I think yeah. the other point that you make that I completely agree with is tawakkul. For those who don't understand, that is sort of like blind faith in God, putting your faith in a higher power. It's easy kind of easy is relative, but it's a little bit easier, I think, for us to to get to that mindset that, you know what, this is what was meant to happen. And you're absolutely right that the bounds and the limits and whether a message reaches or doesn't reach and everything that's happening is ultimately predetermined. It's destiny. It was written to happen this way. And you're right. We do know that at some point freedom is coming. It's, it's hard to, to make the unknown tangible, but that's kind of what blind faith is, right? I would say more than blind faith, it's actually not blind because we know who Allah is. We know he's the most just. We mm-hmm. have complete reliance on him, you know? Right. Um, 
the best thing for me, like what's helped me kind of circumnavigate these uncharted waters is yes, the social media did the censorship, but guess who allowed the censorship? Even though, yes, they did it. Yes. But who allowed it? Allah allowed it. Allowed it. So yeah. in my head, I'm like, Allah wouldn't have allowed it unless it would have played, unless it would have had our own best interest in the end. And yeah, yeah. it's a, a negative thing. But as Muslims, we believe at the end of the day, any negative is still a positive right we just don't see the wisdom and so when we look in history even in our own history in in the quran and everything for example like let's draw upon pharaoh right the pharaoh he was the most evil leader ever okay he was like apartheid on crack okay (laughs) like everything (laughs) was happening with the pharaoh was horrendous and what was he afraid of why was he why was he killing male babies every other year why why because he had a dream that one of the male babies was going to be the one that's going to overthrow his rule and he was so threatened by this uh being coming from the people of israel ironically Mm -hmm. that he felt like he had to kill the male babies every other year but what's so powerful is looking at the storyline who is in charge allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right the year that musa was born was the year that all male babies were supposed to die right and the irony is that it was that specific year that musa was born it could have been the year that babies weren't murdered But it wouldn't make the stakes that much higher. It makes it that much more interesting that it was the year that they were supposed to die. And out of all of them, he does it and comes right into his footsteps. And as a matter of fact, you raised him. He was like a son to you. So it's going to hit where it hurts. Although showing you who's really in control at the end of the day, you can sit here, do whatever you want. But look, I brought it right under your nose. And you, you were so blinded. So... It seemed like everything was up against everybody, but at the end of the day, we belong to Allah and we return to him anyways, you know? So nothing goes unnoticed, you know? Like, so I think the biggest thing is, I'm not saying this to say injustice isn't horrible and you shouldn't feel, you should, it's a sign of iman to feel pain, to feel anger, to feel, you know, to feel all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but at the same time, it's also incredibly empowering to know that it's totally out of our hands because it can only be in God's hands. Because really, honestly, what justice can we ever get what compensation can we ever get as a Muslim community, as a Muslim ummah for what has happened? Nothing, nothing. The solace is knowing that it's in Allah's hands because only he can deal with this craziness that is in the world that is today. Only and he can, Only right? he can. We can't comprehend the things that are happening. And the only thing I think that gives people faith and the ability to move on without feeling crippled and hopeless and you know mentally disturbed is the knowledge that this is fate this is meant to happen this is written there is a higher power controlling everything and we are never going to understand the bigger picture here we're never going to be in the know there never. is there is a drapes over our eyes or a red in urdu that there's a parda over our eyes which basically means we don't know the the unseen the unknown those are things we that don't. are never going to be revealed to us until much much later and so we are never going to be in a position where things make sense so that's why relinquishing control relinquishing expectation and everything over to a higher being is actually extremely empowering and that's the only thing that helps us get through times like this right but you know going back to the story of Pharaoh, just imagine the cowardice and the weakness in that action in and of itself you know and it just such that parallel reminds me so much of what's happening in israel and palestine like the cowardice the weakness that that represents you know Absolutely. that you are someone in power that is so afraid that you yes. need to create destruction and murder because you're so threatened by yes. those who can hurt you or overturn you what kind of power is that what kind of position there is, is no it? power it's right? a control issue 
It's a control right? issue. And ultimately. which goes back, which goes back to the the ultimate point is, and this is what's so empowering about the Palestinian people is like they're not afraid to die. Yeah. You can't control a people that's not afraid to die. Absolutely. Right. And that's why one of the most powerful beliefs as a Muslim is to truly understand, not just believe, but like to, to believe you got to understand it. Is that at the end of the day, you you do belong to Allah and you're going to go back to him. And so no one can control you if you really believe that. Because if you're not afraid to die, it means you're not really afraid to go back to your creator, which you're going to go back to anyways. Mm -hmm. Right. And so with these with the Palestinian people, they're not afraid to return back to Allah. They're not afraid. They're like, we're here and we're not gonna we're not gonna move. And you can't intimidate day, such a people. You, you can't, can't intimidate. And that's the then that's the purpose, right? At the end of the day, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to go back to our purpose is worship Allah Fantana to go back to him, right? In the mm -hmm. best state possible. And so the time that we have right now, like we come from a very result-oriented society, which is sometimes why we get so frustrated and lost in exactly. like what is the point? What is the immediate point? satisfaction? The, immediate satisfaction. Yeah, because you want to feel like you know, you want to feel important. You want to feel like you, you did something. You want to see the results of your yes. efforts at the end of the you day. You do. You do. And naturally, you is... get devastated when you don't. But then again, yeah. you have to submit to a higher power. That's what it all is. Submit to a higher to. power and understand, like, at the end of the day, there is, there is, it's an incremental change. It's an incremental process. And whether you see the change or not, you're going to see other day judgment, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we just have to understand that part of the greater part of the story of how everything works and operates is that result is in Allah's hands does that mean you're still going to show up to the cause if you can't see the if you can't see the change today yeah exactly. or tomorrow and a lot of people will say that what's the point of a protest for example no. right I'm like what do you mean what's the point of a protest especially like what happened in London the way what happened in London Ontario and you hear that a lot and you hear that from Mashiach too right which is honestly really sad where is the purpose is it's not about a physical manifestation of change from a from a government that's not really going to do anything right now right. or hasn't yeah. been doing anything other than for political gain or political whatever you want to call it but the most important thing to me when i look at a protest is the sense of unity the woman that i just crossed a superstore buying an apple that i didn't notice the other day is now standing shoulder to shoulder with me as an ally saying that i see you so next time somebody wants to harass me wow you know want to purchase an apple i know that that girl if she was there buying an apple too she'd probably stand up by me you know what i mean because she stood by me there it's mm -hmm. showing the younger muslims the younger generation who are so afraid to be a muslim do I look Muslim enough, right? Yeah. It shows them that you are not alone because look at all these adults. It's a sense of unification, a sense of solidarity, solidarity and that's something that you yeah. can never buy, yeah. right? It's a sense of safety in that moment, knowing that the city that you walked in where you you felt a sense of insecurity and you felt like your safety was threatened because really that's like the worst thing you could do to somebody. Yeah, it's like showing up as united and showing the world that we're not afraid to stand together for a cause for what we believe is wrong we're not afraid to demand justice we're not afraid to look like what we look like exactly right? and it actually it reinstills that sense of security and safety that you're not alone you are seen and we we are here next to you that in and of itself is so incredibly powerful again it's not about relying on one complete system be it a government a social media platform or anything but only relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and understanding at the end of the day who controls that politician who yeah. controls the social media at the end of the day everything is in Allah's hands are you still going to trust Allah and rely on him even when things don't look like they're they're looking like they're getting worse but sometimes yeah. things get worse before they get better right it's going to be dark it's going to be difficult but Allah says like the thing that's so powerful is Allah says in the Quran so many times that if you follow his guidance there's no hope there's no fear and there's what no sadness like incredible sadness which is the two emotions if i would say somebody was to ask me what i've been you know kind of going through that cycle of up and down has been those two emotions fear and sadness 
Absolutely. Right? Absolute grief, right? And so Allah says that. How are you going to get your sakina? How, you're just going to be like, when's the next bad thing going to happen? But that's why your security and your safety and your serenity comes from God first. And once you have that, don't worry about anybody else. Don't worry about any evil that's going on. Allah's right. aware of it. Right? right. I mean, the perfect manifestation of that is shaitan himself. He's telling us, don't focus on him. Focus on me and focus on my guidance and focus on what I said, like how to advocate, how, standing up for the, what is right. Yeah. But a lot of times we're not getting a sense of unification because we're like, well, what's the point? I don't see anything. But the point is, it's not about you not seeing the result. The results are they're never in I your hands. They're always yeah, in Allah's hands. The bigger takeaway is that, is that you're not going to get that instant gratification and you have to be okay with that. And I think moreover, yeah. it's also about the, kind of the hadith that says, Whoever of you sees an evil action, let him change it with his hand. And if he is not able to do so, then with his tongue. And if he is not able to do so, then with his heart. And that is the weakest of faith. So anyone telling you not to go stand in a rally, not to post, not to do anything, that's not the right way. That's, That's the weakest that you can do is simply feel and not act. Simply feel and do nothing more than that. Right. Absolutely. And it makes it harder for those who are advocating mm-hmm. because there's unity in numbers, right? Because you're like, man, it just makes our numbers that much less. But Allah tells us, how many times was there a lesser number of people that be a greater amount? Like at the end of the day, Allah knows. That's why he gives us these examples so many times because it does feel like we're outnumbered, but we're not because Allah's on our side. And when you have the source of everything on your side, really, what is the rest of the world? That's amazing. Right? So going back to kind of using your voice and the importance of that, I know I wrote a post on the Chai Hour or Instagram about how back in the day, I was more of kind of like a quiet activist. I think I didn't know as much and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't researching as much and I kind of didn't understand the reach and the impact of my voice until right. I saw all of these other movements. And I used to think, okay, right. I'm I'm praying quietly. I'm donating quietly. I'm doing my part quietly, which, okay, right. that's fine too. But when I really got to learn the power of one's voice, the power that comes with standing together and raising your voices going to a protest and it's kind of what you said that visibility and the different snowballing effects of all of that that's when Mm -hmm. my perspective shifted and I was like any platform you have any one person you can reach that is a job well done that is something you should not take away from yourself and stop making yourself feel insignificant you're not any change you can make any one person you can get to is a success right? I absolutely agree. Yeah. And, and I've had a lot of conversations with friends and we've talked a little bit about being very alarmed at those not raising their voices in our community or people that are not of the Muslim faith, kind of just being quiet. How natural do you think it is for us as people to be bothered that those who we consider friends are quiet at this time and not using their voice? Do you think that that's something we should take personally? Okay, I have so much to say about that. Okay, so one, it could be that the person could be like the example of what you shared about yourself earlier, right? They're in their journey of activism, but they're on the quiet side, right? right. Doing things because that's just what they know of it. And that's what their comfort level is, right? Exactly. Especially now when you're getting your job is being threatened, right? Your life is being threatened. You're, you might face a smear campaign. It's a very difficult thing to stand that, like to face that. Like, I'm not going to sit there and say that that's not a difficult thing. Yeah. You know, the courage is going to require. So a few things, you might have some who are they're doing things from a different from a different angle and then even with that angle there's different points maybe they're too afraid understandable, uh, yeah. and they want to do things quietly there's some who say i'm worried that if i do i'm going to become arrogant it's going to affect my other part of it 
right? But I'm going to be very loud and vocal right. for the people in front of me, right? There's different intentions behind that. So I have to recognize and, and just say, okay, cool. But at the same time, I think it's also important, like if you're in that position and you see somebody who doesn't have the same internal struggles as you, push them towards advocacy from a, from a whatever source. And even if you go, like I said, protest amongst the throngs of thousands of people. So it's very also easy to not be as visible as well if you wanted to do things for the sake of Allah. But at the same time, I think it's also important to recognize that read the room, right? So if right now we're yeah. in a situation where Palestinians are saying, hey, we need you guys out there, it's actually really helping us out. I think in those moments, asking Allah just to help you with your intention, because sometimes you just can't help it. Like, it's just what it is, right? Then ask Allah and go, tawakkul, you know, just go straight for it. There's also those who... The two-sided, you know, it sounds like Switzerland. It's actually, you're playing two holes. You're playing whatever is safe. And there's a term for that. Yeah. It's called hypocrisy, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's true. The Arabic word, if you look up the word nifaq, actually comes from that desert animal that keeps hiding between two holes. You know, like a tunnel underground, it has two entrances. Mm -hmm. So you're playing one entrance if it's safe, and then you go to the other side if it's safe. You know what I mean? You're playing two allies. You can't be two allies. Like You can't be allied with the enemy and the victim. Like You don't get to do that. You no, either no. are with the oppressor or the oppressed. May Allah protect us from that. Mm -hmm. uh, hypocrisy uh, on either side of it and and then you have some who really just genuinely do not know right? right like i have some friends who they just don't know like when it comes to isis or comes to any other islamic terrorist group we all know they're bad because obviously media made them bad right sensationalized everything so it's very obvious but with zionism it didn't get the same you know coverage their narrative you think of zionism and you're like your Plus brain tomorrow. doesn't go to no, a terrorist group right? your brain doesn't right? go off in any sort of way because there's yeah. nothing out there about it yeah so sometimes what i would say what holds you back from doing the right thing is the fear of doing the wrong thing and so i have to acknowledge that and it's, it's a reality especially when what's on the line your character going to be assassinated it's very traumatic for a human being to be shamed and shame is what the fear of disconnection right to be disconnected and completely written off it's very traumatic for a human a being to go through that and it's happening like if yeah, you look at the, the valedictorian was it who gave that speech yeah she the, was given so much hate speech back and she's yeah. standing for the truth and you know yeah while you're right you know you're kind of coming at it from a more positive approach not to be negative because i i am an optimist yeah. but you know there are other situations and i've had conversations with people that i know that have said yeah. you know i'm not i'm not interested in this simply because it doesn't affect me it doesn't affect canada and it doesn't it doesn't affect me yeah yeah and and i'm just sitting there dumbfounded because you know, it's like, does humanity not affect you? How how am I supposed to digest that and kind of continue you don't, you engaging don't. in a conversation? It's not. You step away. That. You step away at that point. You right? don't even. There's you don't pure even. Ignorance, Shema, and then there's okay, fear, right? You yeah. gotta call a spade a spade. There are people oh, out yeah. there who don't want to know, who don't think it's their problem, and that's kind of where it's like okay well this is what you would have done when the holocaust was happening things were happening in your lifetime and then you wonder when you read history books why was nobody mm -hmm. saying anything this is your chance exactly right? but people like that they're actually they're the ones that are really at loss you literally to use brandy brown's words you have no capacity for human if you have yeah. no empathy yeah. to not actually be able to feel anything man that sucks <laughs> think about it like it's not oh, even yeah. just that you're not feeling it. It's that you don't even want to engage in, in it. You want to put your blinders on. You want to focus on your country and what's happening and whatever you're busy with because you're not concerned because there's it's, a it, lot of shit that happens in the world and it's not yeah. your problem. It's blinders. But, guess, but what goes on comes around, honestly, because when it's your turn and yeah. 
at that point, it's the same concept. You kept brushing off everyone's pain, but when it comes back to you and, and you're mad about the injustice that happened to you, it's like, oh, but now you want people to advocate, right? Mm-hmm. And so like the way I see this, again, just because I'm a writer, I'm a storyteller. There's so much that goes on into a story and mm-hmm. everything has a purpose. For me, the way I perceive this is that Allah is just showing us actually what we were blinded to. At the end of the day, it shouldn't come to a surprise that there's people like that because that's the story of our life. Yeah. Why should I care about it? It's politics. It's this. I'm somehow a better person because I'm not going to involve myself in other people's business. And they phrase it in such a and package in such a, in such a way where it sounds like they're actually the hero in their own story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. somehow I'm a good person. But the bottom line, so, I think, in all of that know? is is it's very natural for us as people who are you know, advocating for humanity, who are feeling for our Muslim brothers and sisters and anyone in pain, be it Muslim or not, it's natural to be hurt when the people around you are quiet, you know, especially absolutely. because of ignorance. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I usually feel emotionally spent when I'm literally, I'm wasting my energy on people that are not listening. Yeah. And so it can be very, very frustrating, right? But it's the quality and not so much the quantity, even though the quantity may be less, it's more impactful. And so the way I see it is Allah is just exposing <laughs> all the haters and the liars and secret racists, closet racists, yeah. uh, you know, that's invaluable information. You would never know this unless it was adversity. That's right. Very true. Yeah, that's very so, true. So, I mean, colors. that's the thing about, right, true colors come out. Cleaning out and filtering people out of your life that you, you thought you were keeping, there's people you thought, you know, would be your friends. Um, yes. That reminds me of what you were saying earlier. There's also hadith or somewhere in the ground I heard that there's going to come a time where people are going to become deaf and blind to the truth. And you will be screaming and preaching the truth and people will turn a blind eye. And it doesn't feel like that time is any different than now i literally believe we're living this right now it's not to, it's not to take away or invalidate that this is not frustrating it's extremely frustrating but i feel like Allah is also teaching us a lesson where to actually put our energy why would i want to sit here and waste ten thousand hours of my life to somebody who doesn't give a crap i'd rather put that ten thousand hours with other people who will validate and empower and we will move forward together. And what would take maybe 10,000 hours of me trying to just to get you to listen to me, it would probably would take me half an hour to talk to somebody else. And now we could use the other 10,000 hours to actually like advocate, sign petitions, show up and protest, actually doing stuff, you know, yeah. instead of me just sitting here wasting, you know what I mean? Like precious time, my breath on somebody. Time. Yeah. Why would I want everybody on my team? I don't want everybody on my team. I want the best people on my team. You know what <laughs> I mean? Why am I going to sit there to peel and be a slave to sh- show, hey, hello, my humanity? Yeah. You know, I'm a human. This, these are human beings. Yeah. That just, it just, it just screams privilege on their end. Yeah. That I don't want to make you not caring my problem. I want to care about those who are not actually cared for, you know? Yeah. Completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. So just moving along here, I wanted to share this with you. I actually wrote a letter to the MP um, okay. where I live and I got a response and I wanted to read that for you guys. So dear Amna, as the member of parliament for the city, I would like to thank you for writing to me about the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Note that Canada has committed to continue to work with Israelis and Palestinians towards a two-state solution where both Israelis and Palestinians live in peace and security. Images of violence at Al-Aqsa were extremely upsetting, even more so during Ramadan. The rocket attacks on Israel are unacceptable and must be denounced. 
all parties have a duty to take steps to continue to de-escalate tensions, protect civilians, and uphold international law. She goes on to talk about the $25 million that Canada is committed to Palestinian civilians. Beautiful, great. And then she goes on to say, the indiscriminate barrage of rocket attacks fired by Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad into Israel against civilians is completely unacceptable. Those foreign entities which support Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad must end their material and financial support to these groups. This troubles me so much on so many levels, like the sheer lack of true knowledge on the matter, calling reactions of oppressed people Islamic Jihad, quote unquote, talking about their funding. I mean, it's just gaslighting at its finest. You know, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. fund and support the people who have illegally occupied Palestinian land. And then you talk about supporting a two state solution. How, you know, do you think Nazis could ever live in peace with Jews after the Holocaust? It's unrealistic to expect that of either party, to be really honest. I mean, I'm obviously going to reply, but this just kind of goes to show the ignorance, the sheer ignorance of those in power. And I think it's our duty and responsibility. You know, we see all of this happening and then we wonder what can we do? And one of the things I keep telling people is write to your political leaders, write those letters, you know, send those emails, sign those petitions. And when you get a reply back like this, please respond. And that's on my list of things to do this week to respond to this ridiculous use of words and kind of correct her where she's wrong. It's it's stuff like this that is just, it just makes you shake your head. You know, it's just so unrealistic. You know, it's so interesting when you were reading it out, I was just thinking about another friend of mine who's in the UK. You actually know who she is. But anyway, <laughs> she's in the UK. <laughs> she's a Canadian living in the UK. And she wrote to her political leader there as well. And he literally almost, you would think they all had like the same copy paste material. Oh my God. Honestly, it's the same they probably do. nonsense. <laughs> Honestly, it's the same nonsense. There's so much in there to just unpack. But one of the things I want to talk about is you talk about Hamas, okay? <laughs> Who funded Hamas? Yeah. Who created Hamas? Yeah. The other side. So are you trying to say Israel and Israel? Like, you mean, you know what I mean? Like, what are you trying to say here? You, <laughs> you sound ridiculous. Them. Yeah. How do you sit there and send to- like billions of dollars in allyship with the U.S. to fund and reenact essentially what happened in London and Terry every single day in Gaza? Yeah. And then you're going to be proud of yourself for $25 million? You know what? You know what? Palestine didn't need your $25 million. You know what they would have appreciated more than your $25 million? Keeping those billion dollars to yourself and investing it in your own people. Exactly. (laughs) Straight the heck out. How do you, do you know what I'm saying? It's like a bully comes, beats the crap out of a kid in nonstop punches, this, this, everything. And it's like, hey, stop, stop punching, help him out. You know, it's like, okay, here's a little bit of water. You think that guy wants water? He wants you to stop punching, okay? Um, it literally makes no sense. Who the heck are you to say like a two-state solution, okay? No. It's not your land to give away to begin with. I kind yeah. of also want to talk about anti-Muslim hate and the link between Palestine and these attacks here and the role of the media. Yeah. So, you know, there was the Toronto mosque and there was the vandalization. The woman murdered, I think, was it in Calgary or Edmonton? Wait, um, murdered? Yeah, there was a woman that was stabbed to death. I didn't know about that. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's awful. Yeah. Um, actually, Maida, the co-host of the show, who couldn't be here with us today, she told me a story and uh, I'm sharing this with her permission. A couple of days ago, she was walking backwards. She lives in Texas and she was walking mm-hmm. backwards facing her son. He's really mm-hmm. little and she was just kind of turned towards him. And some woman came up behind her, put both hands on her back and pushed her really hard. 
and walk yeah. away in the other direction. And that's mm -hmm. physical assault. You know, you yes. physically assaulted her. If you wanted her to simply move, you could have used your words. You could have tapped on her. Yeah. She was not harming you in any way. And these yeah. are the little stories that go unnoticed. These are the little things that you don't hear about that we are living every single day as visible Muslims. I was walking the other day to Tim Hortons. I crossed my house to go grab a, a coffee and I was wearing pajama pants and a hijab. And I'm like, what the hell am I wearing? First of all, I'm wearing pajama <laughs> pants. <laughs> but second of all, I kid you not, at least four times I thought about that intersection. And while I was walking, I was like, walk faster, walk faster. You know, this wow. is like, and I'm not the only one. I know that for a fact. Anybody else I know who's had this chat with me and is visibly Muslim thinks the exact same stuff every mm -hmm. single day. And we're living. Yeah, that's that. awful. I'm we're first of all, really that. sorry that that happened to your friend, oh, Amida. But you know, what I'm also thinking about is this is more than just physical assault. It's also emotional and mental, not just to the woman, but to her child. Like as a mom myself, I'm here thinking like, I just got assaulted, right? Right in front of my child. You're already thinking like, am I going to, did she just push me? Is there going to be more punches? Is she going to pull a knife on me? Yeah. How am I going to protect my child? How am I going to protect myself? These would be the thoughts that I would have if I was in her shoes. Not to mention the fact that I don't know how old her son was and he sees his mom being attacked. What yeah. that would do for him, that's his He's life, two. that's his security yeah. too. That's the same age as my daughter. Yeah. That would traumatize that child. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just know if I just even tripped on the ground, I remember my daughter just like screaming like, mom, you know, like it's scary to them because it's like, you're the source of comfort, security, love, everything. And if they see you uh, oh, hurt no. or anything, it actually really hurts that child. It goes beyond physical assault to me. Like what happened is really horrendous. In Calgary alone, I've experienced three types of hate incidents. Right. One was when I was about eight months pregnant, I was going to the recycling depot because we recycle things here. <laughs> you get your money back for what they charge you for whatever. That's but awesome. anyways, I remember like <laughs> I, eight months pregnant, I also sustained an injury. I couldn't really walk properly on my ankle. So I parked in the front of the building. And so there was this guy and his son, they're just already pissed at the fact that I was parked in front of the building, but I needed something that was gonna be as close to the door as possible. Not to mention the fact that it just reeks in there. And when you're pregnant, you're just sensitive to smell as is. As I'm about to enter the recycling depot, he comes and shoves past me just to go forward. In his head, he came before me. So I'm gonna shove past you. And he did. And he went and waited in line in the front. What I noticed was on the right side, there's another separate room and there is a recycling area there too. So I went and waddled my way there and he noticed me do that and he got pissed and he actually shoved a shopping cart full of recycling of beer and all that crap right on my belly, my pregnant belly. You Can you believe that? I'm shocked. And so it was actually an Indian... Yeah, it was actually an Indian guy that was working and he actually got so upset and he assisted me and I appreciated that. And just a couple of months later, my mom was with me. This is like about a month or two postpartum after I had my daughter and she was in the stroller. And so at the dollar store, you know, when you're up in the till, it's a very narrow lane and with COVID regulations and stuff like that. The lady at the far end of the till tells whoever wants to come next, they can come next. This guy, all he had to do was just say, ma'am, excuse me, I'm, I'm going to go forward. No, he shoved my stroller with my baby straight into the till. Wow. Like her head actually jolted. You're Thank joking. God I had the No, for real. And I called the police on him. Good. I'm glad. And I had a conversation with him. And that was reported. And so it, it, where I'm sharing this stuff with you is it wasn't a publicized event. It was documented, but it wasn't publicized. Just mm -hmm. as so many other incidents that happen there's so many microaggressive comments that happen every day that basically has become part of our norm as a muslim person and so 
the thing I'm trying to say is that when people say, oh, there is no such thing as this is not our Canada, it sure as hell is. It's I just think. you guys don't. It's just, again, another form of censorship. And we play a part in the censorship. We're like, you know what? What's the point? When I decided at one point to pursue law enforcement, I learned so much in the importance about actually informing police officers. There's something called a crime app, right? You know, does it give you information about a specific neighborhood and what types of crimes are there? The more reported crimes are there, even if there wasn't much that came from it, it allows for the funding of the police to allocate those funds to have more police presence in those specific areas. That's so amazing. we can actually... Yeah, this we can actually be like this is this well, has always been there, but no one knows about it. Because one of the officers, when I when I brought up the issue about racism and, and these discriminatory behaviors, like, well, you guys don't report it. How are we supposed to know? You right. sit here get mad at us for not doing our job, but how can we do our job when we don't know and you guys are not calling because you don't think it's important? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how small it could be somebody literally just cusses you out. Yeah. So it's not an actual criminal record, it's just an internal system. Right. And their police force where they just basically document things within the city. And so what ends up happening is that that person, I remember one time when I when I did a ride along with a police officer, this person, it was an Asian man who actually physically and verbally assaulted a um, an Indian girl. OK. Uh, in Edmonton. And this person actually when they looked him up. They saw this guy has a history of doing this to so many other people. Yeah. 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 And so now this actually builds a case for somebody. Eventually, if this goes far or somebody wants to take it further, there's a history built. You're saying it's not a record, though. Like, it's not a police. It's not a record, but there's a history. That's powerful. You built a history on that. So a prosecutor can use that. This person has a history. And that's very strong evidence when you submit that in court. On I don't somebody. think the big takeaway here for Muslim women and men specifically is yeah. any little or big hate crime or somebody slurring at you. Understand the power of reporting that. Your money <laughs> is going to security. So why aren't you using the security? Like if you pay for security systems around your house, you use it, right? What do you say? Oh, what's the point of having security? What are the chances of me getting? No, you still invest in it and you are constantly check up on it and this. So go look at where, follow the money. You're the money girl, right? Like you know the same <laughs> money talks, BS walks, right? Honestly, look where your money goes. Look at ignorance is not an excuse. The biggest thing I would say that cost me the most in my life, emotionally, mentally, financially is ignorance. People say mm-hmm. ignorance is bliss. Not say ignorance is is a blister okay like literally like in the butt like it really is because (laughs) you need to know where your money goes and you need to know what your rights are you need to start educating yourself and knowing where all these because these politicians are able to do whatever the heck they're doing because they are literally monetizing and profiting off of your ignorance and so knowledge is power for a reason because now they can't pull a fast one on you a lot Mm -hmm. of times we're mad at the mps we should look at ourselves first you know and see what role have i played in my ignorance because I haven't been able to hold my MP into account because it's just convenient. Why do I want to wa- care about what the government is doing or whatever, as long as it benefits me, right? We've all been there, right? But now when push comes to stuff and things are really real, you know, there's actually a way. The power is in the people and we just don't realize it. The yeah. biggest thing is they don't want us to realize it. And that's why they start to censor us and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Social media or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, even if you think it's not going to make a difference, report it, you know, report everything. Absolutely. Um, And then I guess just before we close off, calls to action, you know, we talked a lot about things that are going on. We've talked a lot Mm -hmm. about the hate crimes and how we need to raise our voices and talk about the things that happened to us and just kind of keeping the faith alive. And really just to close, calls to action, what can we do? I think don't forget the power of dua and prayer. If you are, you know, a person of faith, don't fall into hopelessness. That's the trick of the shaitan. Do the little things that keep your spirits up because we have to raise our voices. We have to 
go through viewing these disturbing images and we can't kill our spirits. We have to stay strong. So doing those little things that keep you awake and alive and going, keep engaging in them. It's natural to feel like you're not doing enough, but just remember that those who are oppressed are telling us that our voices are making a difference. So who are we to take that away from them? I would love to share some links of actions that you can continue to do, letters that you can write, websites with templated letters, and I will link those in the description below. Shema, thank you so much for being part of this today. And I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for your valuable stories and lessons. And I hope we can chat again soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Anna, for having me. And if I could just add one last Absolutely, point. Absolutely, yeah. Is don't apologize for who you are, right? Yeah. And the biggest thing I've noticed is that a lot of people are taking their their faith out of their humanity, mm-hmm. trying to appeal for their humanity for people, like saying, it's not a really a Muslim issue, it's a human issue. No, actually, <laughs> the issue here is they refuse to see that we are humans with our faith. They want us to subtract our faith, right? right? And so we talk about Islamophobia saying, you know, they're phobic of who we are as Muslims. But as a matter of fact, we as Muslims have become phobic. We're fearful of being a Muslim. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Don't apologize for your identity. You are human. You're not going to appeal to someone who's a human being to validate your humanity by subtracting your faith. Don't do that. You're right. You Very are true. who you are because of your faith you know who you are you know what you are and somebody else refusing to see that because you know we don't want to accept muslims with their faith they are less than human Mm -hmm. but when we look at zionists it's like what their belief is is humanized with their faith but for some reason when it's a muslim person their faith has to be subtracted from their humanity for them to be even considered human right it can very much exist that you can be acknowledged for your humanity with your faith that's what i wanted to say so don't be apologetic at all don't be apologetic for who you are absolutely thank you so much shema i really appreciate it take care no worries thank you take care